From Connext Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brand. I'm your host, Jonathan Hilliard. From the steady mom and pop barbecue joint to the red hot tech startups that are making huge waves, Atlanta is full of brands and small businesses that got their start and are thriving right here in the ATL. So naturally, I've been wondering, how did they get there? What tips and tricks or marketing strategies do they use to keep growing? But more importantly, we want to get to know some of these founders and entrepreneurs. We want to hear their stories and share it with the communities they call home. So that brings us here. Atlanta Born and Brand is a show all about those businesses that are being built right here in the capital of the South. And it's a show about their founders, their challenges and successes, and how they built a brand that will last. On today's episode, we talk to John Elijah Richards. He's the founder of In God We Must, a lifestyle and apparel brand here in Atlanta. But his story goes much deeper than that. We talked with him about growing up around Atlanta, turning his back on the easy path to pursue a life on the road in music, and a battle with his health that was so dire, he had few options but to start a business. So I grew up in Marietta, Georgia, Mm -hmm. born and raised there. Um, It's just a little drive north of Atlanta. Right. Um, OTP. OTP, yeah. yeah. And I'm an OG Marietta dude. (laughs) So uh, before all the development and uh, before it was claimed East Cobb. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you ever heard the term East Cobb snob. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a Gwinnett guy, so we use that term. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm definitely not one of those. but yeah, I grew up in Marietta. Um, I was actually super, super involved in sports mm. growing up from when I was six until I was 18. I played football and baseball. Yeah. Um, and actually, my senior year of uh, high school, I got a scholarship to go play baseball for Clemson University. Uh, yeah, I know, right? That's <laughs> one of the reasons I didn't go is because, well, one, I was sick of playing sports. Right. I never really enjoyed it in high school. It was just something that... That you did. I did. If you got a, Clem- a scholarship to Clemson, you were doing something right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I went to some like scouting camps all throughout high school right. and had a really good trainer and he had some connections there. So it wasn't just like luck. I think it was, it was kind of set up from the time yeah. I was like in high. So they were watching me, but. And if, um, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know, like you probably couldn't have been in a better spot, like yeah. geographically, because East Cobb is like baseball oh and i played at east cobb yeah so So that was one of the other reasons too is i played at east cobb baseball um so yeah no i did that um one of the reasons i didn't do it i was sick of playing sports yeah and i actually like football better but i didn't have the weight to like be recruited sure um and i don't like clemson (laughs) <laughs> the colors like are ugly and i don't and i don't like that university <laughs> i'm an lsu fan okay. so uh gotcha. would have much preferred a sec school over I gotcha. even though they have a great baseball program uh yeah. but yeah no i i picked up um guitar like my sophomore year of high school and mm-hmm. that's what i truly fell in love with and um i always wanted to play in a band sure i always wanted to tour and it was like you know punk kind of music and um it was fun but yeah when i when i graduated high school it was all right i'm done with school i'm gonna go start a band and tour and um that's what i did so i went to um atlanta institute of music um for two years for guitar and then 
while I was at school, I got an offer to tour in a band nationally. So um, I ended up leaving there after talking to all the teachers and, you know, the dean and all, should I do this? Should I do that? And uh, yeah, they were all like, yeah, go for it. You're never going to get this opportunity again. And half the people that come to this school, this is what they want. But Mm -hmm. usually they just end up getting, you know, teaching jobs or studio jobs. So if this is what you want to do, go for it. So that's kind of where I think I learned my hustle. And I guess at the, at looking back on it, entrepreneurship, but at the time I was just a kid that wanted to create something that people enjoyed. So, um, at the same time, say what? And eat. Yeah. 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 For your meals. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I toured in bands, um, golly for a really long time. And, um, yeah, I've seen the nation with a few bands. I started my own and I filled in for a lot and I knew what I wanted to do in high school and it was not what my parents wanted me to do. (laughs) But when, you know, after I graduated, it was kind of like, sorry, I don't want to do this, you know, and I didn't like school. I, I was a really good student. I was smart. I had straight A's, great SAT and Hmm. ACT score, but school was just not for me. I didn't like the systematic elements of it. And, um, I knew what I wanted to do and it didn't require any real school. So I was just like, if I want to go to college for something, I can go later, you know, but right now I'm just going to go to music school and yeah. And it worked out. (laughs) So was it it a situation with your, your folks where they knew that well enough to where when something happens, like you get a scholarship offer to play baseball in college, it was just kind of understood. You didn't want to do that. Or was that like a tough, like, Oh, they were, they were, they were extremely frustrated with me. <laughs> uh, well, my mom wanted me to go to college, right. you know, from when I was a little kid. Sure. My dad didn't go, and he's just been working all his life. Mm. And so he didn't really care either, but at the same time, he didn't want me to have to do what he was doing. And, right. But I didn't, I didn't care. It was just kind of like, you know, this is the dream I want to pursue, and I'm going to do it. And... Um, there was a there was like that defining moment where I had to stand up yeah to my parents and say no I'm I'm going on tour I'm joining this band yada 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 yeah and if you guys don't like it I'm really sorry but this is truly what I want to do and if you want to kick me out of the house I have arrangements like I've already I've already thought of all this through um I'm really hoping you don't but you know here you go. And when I had that conversation with them, I think they realized like, okay, he's made his mind. He's, up. he's made his mind up. It's what he wants to do. And we're going to support him doing it. We just wanted to make sure it wasn't something that yeah. was this passing like dream, you know? So right. when I did that, they were, they were hundred percent on board. So the music that I was playing when I was touring was, uh, a super kind of niche or niche, like genre of yeah. like screamo, punk hardcore kind of stuff so fun headbanging kind of music i could show you some videos i had the long hair yeah if you were in a screamo band quote unquote in the south you you we probably played together it was a small community huh yeah yeah (laughs) especially the like the touring aspect of it you know if you were on that level there wasn't there was a good bit of bands that were on that level but um 
if you were, everybody kind of knew of each other and played, right. at least played a show in, in passing yeah. in some state, you know. So. And it seemed to me, too, like just knowing him, it was kind of a community that like everybody knew that the other people involved in the touring community, like you said, were, you know, it wasn't, it didn't feel like a, a, a competition sort of thing. You kind of yeah. supported each other, mm-hmm. you know, booked the, your buddies' bands on, on shows that exactly. might have had openings. Yeah, that's how I've made yeah. some of my best friends was sure. just booking a random band that hit right. us up on MySpace was yeah. the thing back then. Yeah. And uh, booking them because their music sounded great and then ended up being lifelong friends with them. Sure. You know, so, yeah, that, that whole community is very supportive of each other. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of... Uh, animosity or no not really even competition because if you guys both score a show it's a you're win-win. having fun and both yeah. of you are winning you know right. so um, sometimes there's those aspects like let's say a, a big band comes through mm-hmm. and they're looking for an opener it's like then it's competition <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. but still at the same time you're not fighting for money you're fighting for exposure sure because you're probably not going to get paid for that show right <laughs> but you get to open for said band who sold yeah. out the masquerade you know right. or something right. so um but yeah no that was that was kind of my upbringing and um you know you had to learn how to hustle and yeah. one of those things was at the merch table is you had to push sure. some t-shirts some cds you'd walk around with your demos and hey five bucks you want our you yeah. want our cd and um i think that's where i learned the sort of entrepreneur like right hey we got to make some money kind of kind of deal but there was also that aspect of this is art this is my art do yeah. you want you know yeah it wasn't just like some service or product it was something that meant a lot to right, us yeah. yeah and um yeah so that's kind of that's kind of what i did i didn't go to real gotcha. school <laughs> uh yeah. and i did that for a long time and with that you know you have to learn how to manage your band mm. um you have to learn how to um manage a tour book a tour, talk to booking agencies, venues, um, get guarantees, yeah. work out the money for, and budget for, you know, gas to get yeah. to, to, uh, you know, Virginia beach from Atlanta and sure. then so on and so on. And so the systematic part of like being in a band and touring is a lot like what I do now, just, right. but also completely different, <laughs> but same kind of mentality yeah. of organi- organizing and, um, connecting and all that kind of stuff. So, sure. but yeah, so I guess my real passion has been music since middle of high school. Those who have spent any time around the music industry know the path to a long career in music is an extremely difficult one. The grind weighs on you, and for most musicians, there comes a time when it's just too much. After several years on the road, John stared that dilemma right in the face. I remember it like it was yesterday because it was it was pretty um, emotional, yeah. I guess. Everybody was super just bummed out on the tour because it was like, you know, if we if no one shows up to this show, we don't get our door split, which means we can't make the next show and yeah. we should probably just go home. We were at a truck stop just kind of sitting there like wondering what to do. And... Um, <laughs> I can't remember who it was, but I think it was the singer. And he was like, all right, um, we either need to go home or play these shows, but we have money to either, we have enough money to get home or we have enough money to drive to Pennsylvania 
where we have no guarantee mm-hmm. and hopefully we can just scrape up enough cash to get to the next spot. Yeah. My votes to go home because mm-hmm. this is just, I feel like it's the right thing to do. So we ended up going home and, uh, when we got home, everybody was just kind of like so sick of not having any money yeah. and just burnt out. Cause we had been from the time the band started until this moment, we were touring for a year nonstop. Like we were just on the grind, go never right. home. And, uh, so I actually had a job at Home Depot and I loved that job. It yeah. was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I worked in the hardware department. Nice. Um, well at first I was pushing carts and then I went to cashier and then hardware within like four months or something like that, which I think is impressive, but, yes. uh, no doubt. No doubt. yeah, hardware is like the, the prestigious department, right. you know, so I'm helping people find like nuts and bolts and yeah. it was fun. But from there, in between there, I actually got a sales job at a screen printing place okay. because I was familiar with how that worked because of being in a band. Right. And uh, so I was a salesman there for like two and a half, three years, something like that. Before we go on with today's episode, I want to take a minute to address the small business owners listening to the show. Here at Atlanta Born & Brand, we hope to bring great value to you over the course of our first season. And now, we're looking for a couple partners to help us do that. If you're interested in advertising your business or brand on this show, let us know. We're looking to build a team of great companies and ultimately create a network that props up all great Atlanta-run businesses. If you'd like more information, send us an email at info at atlborn.com. That's info at atlborn.com. John was thriving in his new career. He was one of his company's top salesmen and says he was making great money. But in January of 2012, he came down with what he thought was a terrible stomach bug, but it just wouldn't go away. At one point, he says he even wondered if he was going to die. His condition finally improved slightly, but never back to 100%. Over the course of three months, he lost 50 pounds. He wasn't eating, wasn't sleeping, and finally he went to the doctor for a variety of tests. So on my 23rd birthday, I get a call at 8 a.m., and the doctor calls me and goes, okay, well, you're definitely a type 1 diabetic. Your blood sugar, your A1C, which is like this blood work they do to test your average blood sugar over the last like three months, mm-hmm. um, was like way through the roof, like should, should have gone to the hospital high. And so she was like, you need to go to the pharmacy. I've called in your insulin. You need to take this much of this kind and this much of this kind. And then after every, like over the phone telling me how to manage this because it was, I had gone close to two months without any insulin, Yeah, you know? So, um, immediately like hot body freaking out Mm. and i kind of didn't accept it at first it's like no no this is there's got to be a way to like to do something and uh, because that's a conversation that's basically like your life from this point on has changed changed. like yeah big time you know so it it was really really hard um trying to accept that and you know, I, I went to the pharmacy and they gave me like everything I needed. And it was like two boxes of insulin, um, needles, uh, blood sugar reader, uh, alcohol swabs, it, it all, all of it. And I mean, it was like a huge bag full of stuff. Right. And I looked at him and I was like, 
Uh, I just got diagnosed with this like 45 minutes ago. I have no idea how to use any of this stuff. So yeah. the pharmacy was freaking out and they were like, oh, uh, okay. And they were showing me how to put everything together. <laughs> we just fill the bottle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I have these like little pins full of insulin and you like, you spin a needle on right. top and that's disposable. But um, yeah, I was freaking out and on my birthday. Yeah. And uh, eventually I just kind of, got used to it and you know I had to change my diet and um, learn what good blood sugar is versus bad and all that stuff but yeah so that happened <laughs> and then the the reasoning was that stomach virus is actually like a bacterial infection mm. and it thought my pancreas was bad so while my body was trying to heal itself it it was killing my pancreas and uh, as time goes on and I'm more of a seasoned type one, that's actually a super, super common uh, thing that happens to people. They get really sick and then they have type one diabetes. Wow. And um, it's weird. I, growing up in Marietta, that virus that was going around, there was three other kids in my county who caught that and then got type one diabetes. How weird is that? That's nuts. That's nuts. Yeah. And I, uh, I had no idea that that was even a thing that that could just trigger like that. I didn't either. No. And I didn't know there was a difference in type one and type two. I just yeah. thought it meant like, oh, you're overweight. You have diabetes. Right. It's like, no, not really. You have issues with your blood sugar. Yeah. yeah. It's just yeah, type one is you don't do anything to get it. It's not that you deserved it. You didn't deserve it. It just mm -hmm. happens. And one of your organs doesn't work. So now you have an immune disease yeah. and now you're subject to, now that I have type one, my chances of getting Alzheimer's are way higher than yours. Uh, my chances of going blind because of glaucoma are way higher. Um, heart failure, kidney failure, losing limbs, you yeah. know, all that stuff. So like when, when I got that, the I had to accept a lot of all realities things. of just, okay, this is what happens when sure. I don't manage this. So I need to learn about it really, really quick. And even if you do manage it, you know, it's still like, you're still prone to getting that kind of stuff as yeah. you go on. Three weeks later, I uh, was let go from that job hmm. and I lost my health insurance. Health insurance. Uh, well, I didn't lose it. They had this thing called Cobra right. where, you, where you get the option to pay for that plan that your employer was providing. Sure. And during that time, you couldn't re-enroll in health insurance if, you know, there was like enrollment periods yeah. during that time. So it was really my only option to be able to still have the health care I needed to pay for my newly yeah. inherited <laughs> immune disease that I have to get medicine for every single month wow. to stay alive. Yeah. And it's really expensive, even with insurance. So my insurance plan was around like, I can't remember the exact number, but it was seven to $900 a month. And then even with insurance, the insulin was costing me close to another 500 a month. And then the needles, a box of needles for a month is a hundred bucks. Um, and I made too much money that year to qualify for any sort of assistance either. Mm. So it was just this nightmare of yeah. how am I going to, it amounted to about, I needed about $3,000 a month to just, pay everything yeah but i also had a car payment i also had rent i also had credit cards sure. and like i you know i was draining those just Which, to survive so i had to work with the reality of you have to come up with this much money somehow and i was looking for jobs and everything and uh i was maxing out all my credit cards 
drained my 401k. I mean, it wasn't a lot in there to begin with, yeah. but it was still my cash that I needed right. at the time. And uh, yeah, long story short, I was sitting on my back porch at my apartment and my my wife, girlfriend at the time came over and she had just gotten back from uh, Nicaragua hmm. and she brought me this coin and she told me that she wanted to uh, make something out of this coin to remember the trip by. And I was like, well, let me think of something. Yeah. And so I found out how to make a coin ring out of it. And I was like, I'll try that. I don't have anything to do. Yeah. <laughs> so I made this coin ring for her and posted it online. And then uh, just to share. And all of, the, all of my friends were kind of like, oh, how much to make me one? How much mm-hmm. to make me one? And then that's when my light bulb in my head went off. And I was like, oh, you know what? If I could sell yeah. X amount of these... I can pay for everything. Yeah. And so that's what I did. And that first month of selling those, I was able to pay for every penny of uh, all my medical expenses. And that's not even how I promoted it. It was just, it wasn't a sob story, which I think kind of gave me the drive of like, okay, this could be something, you know, and I goes into making a coin ring, by the way. A whole lot. A whole lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, back when I first started, not a whole lot, and they yeah. didn't look that great. But I think it was just because it was something new. Sure. People were enjoying it. Um, but pretty much you take a coin, you punch a 7 sixteenths hole in the middle of it. Yep. Or sometimes a half inch, too. But you punch a hole in the middle of it, and then you start to push things down into that hole while the coin is in a die. And okay. the the hole starts to get bigger and then it starts to look like a cone sure. and you just keep stretching it out until it looks like a ring. Wow. Essentially like yeah. that's the, is there heat involved? A lot of heat. A yeah. Lot of heat? A lot of yeah. heat. Yeah. You have okay. to, you have to heat it up to be able to stretch it so it doesn't crack right. and all that kind of stuff, which totally all learned on the fly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You worked at Home Depot. I can't man. tell you how, how many, much, yeah. How hard can it be? Uh, yeah. Well, it's just the right amount of heat. How to handle the coin while it's hot? Yeah, you know, learn the process of annealing. Uh, you know, did should you, I use? Did YouTube come into play? Oh, YouTube came into play big okay. time. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, that's kind of how it all started. Yeah, and then um, because I have an apparel background, eventually about a year into it, I was like, we should throw some shirts that are right. inspiring, that kind of speak to this story of you can do anything that you put your mind to and circumstances and an excuse um you can overcome it and let's do that that'd be cool i think people would buy the shirts but i didn't want to i didn't want to do anything that didn't have purpose right you know kind of going back to the band thing sure you know there was purpose behind the music it wasn't just yeah to get famous it was no i love music and this is what our band's about and you know if you like it you like the concept not just Oh, you you play breakdowns and I can get in a mosh pit, you know? So um, yeah. we did that and it took off. We want to take a minute to talk to one specific group of young artists and entrepreneurs. If you're from Atlanta and are a musician or know a great one, we want to hear from you. It takes a lot of music to produce an audio only show. And we would love nothing more than to fill this program with local artists. Of course, you'd get your name on the end of the show as well. If you're interested, drop us a line to info at atlborn.com. That's info at atlborn.com. John's business had literally pulled him out of an uncontrollable spiral. And in the midst of that life-changing shift, 
his first product provided the identity his company would need to stand out and begin to build a powerful brand. On all the coins I was making jewelry out of, it has In God We Trust right. on all of our currency, U.S. currency. And uh, I was like, it'd be really cool if I could do like a play on words that has some sort of involvement with the fact that I'm using money yeah. to make money, yep. which is super ironic. But um, I was like, you know, it'd be cool if it was something like, in God we must, like a play on those words. Yeah. And then I thought about it and I was like, actually, that's a really cool name because it kind of defines who I am and the circumstance that this whole thing was born out of. Sure. Like I had to do something in order to stay alive. Right. You know what I mean? So that's kind of the basis of the name It's it's really from a, from a bare bones level, it's a play on words. Yeah. But on a meaningful level, it is like the, it's my story. You, you were know literally I mean? using coins within God we trust to survive. Yeah. For a season of your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I just thought it was a really cool name. Yeah. It's like, in God we must. That's rad. Like, let's, let's name it that. With a new name, in God we must began to build out the tenets and values of the brand. One phrase began to stick out to John, the pioneer spirit. I coined that, um, like a year in, yeah. I think, and we just, and God, we must, home of the pioneer spirit. Yeah. And um, the pioneer spirit, the definition is the, or a willingness to endure hardship in order to explore new places or try new things. So with that being said, we, we push that as a brand in general. It's not, um, something that is just like this cool catchphrase or yeah. anything. It's just the whole, the whole reason that I'm even doing it still, because I could easily just go get a different job. Yeah. Like I have enough connections. I, I know enough people who own their own businesses and need people. And, um, I could easily do that, but that's, that's not what I want to do. And I feel like my job's not done yet either. Yeah. But, um, our whole goal as a company is to literally just allow people to understand what the pioneer spirit is and um hopefully they embrace that within their lives right. you know because my circumstance and my story isn't like anything crazy you know i'm just talking about it mm. you know and a lot of people don't want to talk about their story or they don't want to talk about their circumstances and they're too afraid to go after what they want to do sure. whether that is music um starting your own clothing brand starting your own podcast, being a photographer, mm -hmm. anything, anything other than what you're doing that you hate, but yeah. you're not afraid to change. You know what I mean? Sure. And there's a lot of people out there like that, especially within this entrepreneur um, era that we're in. Yeah. A lot of people have really great ideas and or dreams, but they're too um, comfortable with where they're at right. with whatever they're doing, or they may say, Oh, well I have two or three kids and I can't, I, you know, what happens yeah. if, what happens if yeah, it's like, well, story. you know, like, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. well, you're never going to know what happens if, right. Unless you just do it. And yeah. if you are that passionate about it and you are that determined, you will make it work. Yeah. 100%. There's no magic formula other than, literally keeping your head down and digging yeah. until you make it work. Lace your boots up and go. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I was in that trap with that sales job I had. 
and I wanted to leave for a long time. And the world turned at a certain point and it ended up, it gave me no choice. Yeah. I struggled for the first, the first two and a half years of running this thing. I was doing side gigs, just making sure it worked. You know, I had to put myself through the ringer just to, just to make it something. Yeah. And you know, the, the pioneer spirit is what, um, when I read that definition, I was just like, that's what it's about. That's, yeah. that's, that's what we want to push. And so it's, it serves as like a guideline for you guys now. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I've done panels and stuff before and, and a lot of the times they'll ask like, so how can we support your company? Where can we go and buy? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you know, the company's not, if you want to support our company, all you have to do is embrace, um, the idea of a pioneering spirit you know, and go out and do what you want to do and do it with passion. That's kind of the embodiment of the whole company, really. And then um, all the looks and the designs and stuff are just kind of things that we think are cool that uh, speak to us. And hopefully they speak to you, too. Sure. You know, and if it doesn't, then it did to somebody because somebody (laughs) bought it. (laughs) You know, so. And God, we must now had a brand and a vision. And soon after, John found a partner to help him move the company forward. Matt Mulkey, a longtime friend of John's and former bandmate and co-worker, put up the capital to move forward with the first line of In God We Must shirts. Using the network John had from his days as a musician, the shirts quickly sold. Matt invested again, and again John produced and sold another round of shirts and paid him back. But finally, the two agreed that in exchange for Matt's investment, instead of paying him back, John would make Matt a part owner in the company. With a new business partner in place, John refocused his attention on building the brand. And like many other businesses today, social media was key. Was it Instagram? Was it, you know, another social media platform? Was it word of mouth? What was your kind of initial marketing strategy to really start to move some of that stuff? Yeah, so, you know, obviously from the beginning of it, um, I had friends and family who wanted the stuff I was making. Yeah. And I think that just through networking within bands and meeting tons of fans and music. Yeah. It's like, I didn't promote it to them, but you know, because I became friends with so many people, I had lots of followers on Instagram and not like thousands and thousands and thousands, but I had 2000 very rich friends, not rich, like money, but like, I texted them and I called them and you know, if I was in town, I would say what's up. And so that was kind of like the initial audience was just me utilizing what I had already built, um, friendship wise. Mm. And, um, when it started getting serious, yeah, Instagram was like, you know, we gave it a name and all that kind of stuff. And, um, back then Instagram wasn't an algorithm. It was chronological. So if you followed us, you know, you would see our post on the top of everything if we had just posted and then, you know, yeah. go down. And uh, that was, I think I hit a lucky break there because at the time when Instagram was like that, um, there was also another app called Vine. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Vine? I do. And I was, when Vine came out, I was all over it and I loved it. <laughs> and um, we'd make stupid videos, my roommates and I. And um, I got to follow some of these people that were big on vine um from when they weren't big until they were big and i never necessarily <clears throat> necessarily knew them 
But I was sitting at my desk one day um, and going like, okay, how can I, how can I ramp this up? You know, like how can I get some more exposure and kind of like hit that next level of being busy, you know? And I thought about it and I was like, influencers, I should hit up influencers, you know? So I would hit up people on Instagram and they would, they would say, you know, yeah, I'll do it for $500. And it's like, well, I don't, I don't have $500 to just give you for a post. How about uh, a t-shirt or six? Yeah, how about I just give you the product for free? <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, because Instagram was a well-known platform at the mm-hmm. time, so people were charging for it. And then I was like, you know, all the people on Vine have huge Instagram accounts too, so maybe I just hit them up, you know? Mm-hmm. So I hit up like five or six of my favorite um, Viners, and they weren't like top tier, but they had a really good following. Sure. And um, message him and just said, hey, you know, what's up? This is who yeah. I am. I run this company. Um, and I was just super honest with them. And I just said, I'm really looking to take my company to the next level. And I just need some exposure. I make these rings. If I send you one for free, I can I can make you multiple for you, your friend, your family, whatever. Yeah. Um, would, would you want to post about them on your Instagram? Um, you know, let me know. I don't have a large budget. I don't have any budget at all. Actually, yeah. I just, I'm just looking for some help. <laughs> uh, can you yeah. help me out? And everybody loved the product. Yeah. So every single one of them hit me back and said, of course, here's my size. This is what I want. Can you make one for my mom, my wow. girlfriend, my wife, my whatever. And I was, I was super stoked and I sent them all out and they all posted about them. And remember there was no algorithm. Mm-hmm. So it was just like immediate, like every time one of them posted, it was like orders coming through yeah. and I'm being, I'll gain, 300 followers in an hour on Instagram because so-and-so posted about it. So that was like my initial marketing strategy was, I guess the influencer word of mouth kind of thing. And it worked out and it panned out and it was awesome. Did they use a hashtag or they, they added you or. Oh yeah. They would like tag me. Um, I don't, I didn't use hashtags back then. And so like, yeah, it was just influencer kind of marketing. And, um, then after that, you know, a lot of other influencers were hitting me up and going, Hey, you make me one too. I'll post about it. Yeah. Yeah. I want one. So, uh, it kind of grew from there. And then, um, yeah, that's just kind of how it started. So because of an app that doesn't exist anymore, (laughs) help me out. (laughs) Just go after it. If you don't ask for help and you don't, you won't get it. You won't get it. The thing that caught our eye and led us to John was the visual identity in God. We must have created One look at their Instagram and you can tell there's a plan in place. Every picture is a high quality, professional grade photo. And like with most startups, the budget for marketing is not a big one. When we first started, it was iPhone photos. Yeah. You know, and I I didn't know how to take a photo to save my life on a camera. (laughs) Um, And then eventually uh, my wife had this old camera that she let me use and I went and bought a lens and figured it out. And um, for the most part, Everything is shot by me. Um, and then I have one of my best friends who's an actual photographer. He shoots for us as well. Gotcha. Um, it's not super often, but when he does shoot, it's like awesome. Yeah. yeah. And so I've been modeling my photos after kind of like how he does his. So that way they mesh really well. Um, his name's Dave Crawford hmm. and he lives here in Atlanta. But um, yeah, no, I, I can't remember when it got to a point where... I was super interested in investing in like a digital camera with a lens and um, 
think it was like three years ago and I bought like a Sony a6000 which yeah. is like a pretty base Sony camera right and it's not bad but it's also the perfect camera for someone who knows absolutely nothing about photography and yep. you want to learn yeah and uh I shoot a lot of jewelry, so I had to learn how to do macro shots, mm -hmm. you know? So um, I ended up learning how to do that, and I just kept learning and learning and learning. And I mean, I could go on about all the things I've learned for, sure. through running this, but I would say photography is um, one of my most, like, I'm proud of it yeah. that I've learned yeah. what I've learned. For me, it's a big part of what your brand is. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's those visuals, and, you know, it all helps in telling the story that you're wanting to tell as a company you know it's like sitting in the back of a, a, an old beat-up truck you yeah know? or like um you know kind of muted color tones mm -hmm. and some and yeah some yeah really cool like rustic type settings yeah you know like uh -huh. you on purpose i know but in like some ways i'm sure by accident have created like an identity through that yes yeah 100 percent. So, like yeah. When we post a photo, and we, or if we shoot any content, whether it's for advertisements, um, our emails, uh, our website, Instagram, whatever, yeah. we always shoot in a very specific style mm -hmm. and way, and we edit them in a very specific um, kind of yellow, orange, muted yeah. kind of vibe. Um, but one of the biggest things is we don't take photos that are unrealistic. Like we want you to feel like this is obtainable. Sure. You know what I mean? Because I'm not a brand of the people. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, yeah. like if you were to go to some really like highly funded, um, I don't know, any sort of brand that's highly funded, that's backed by so-and-so sure. and I got millions of sure. dollars coming in and you look at their product photography and you look at their models and their product renderings, it's so unrealistic yeah. that it seems like fantasy, but and then that's a proven way to market your products is to just make them like have that like sparkling shine sure. to them. And for me, it's cool. I appreciate how you make those things. Mm -hmm. And I've done those for people before because I also do web development on the side yeah. as well. But um, it's cool. It's great. But for our brand, our roots are founded yeah. in something that is way more real than that. Yeah. And so we want to translate that as well. So like when you see something on our Instagram of somebody wearing a shirt, it's not some, you know, surfer model that I paid 50 K for to, <laughs> to ride a surfboard yeah. wearing it. It's literally my friends and friends of friends yeah. and at locations that you are totally able to go to. Yeah. And it is what it is. Like you mentioned the truck. Yeah. That's my truck. Yeah, <laughs> I've been awesome. driving that since 16. So it's like yeah. perfect. Let's nice. use that as a prop. Yep. But, um, yeah, it, it there's just, It does help yeah. to have a couple good-looking friends. I'll, I'll yeah, yeah. I have some good-looking friends for sure. <laughs> but, you know, they're not yeah. they're not asking for, you know, $1,000 day rate for me to right. take photos. It's just, hey, Thank you goodness. want a free shirt? <laughs> they're not you know? yet. Yeah. They're not yet. But it goes back to surrounding yourself with good people, right. you know, because if, if you can't invest in the people that are in front of you either, they're not, they're not going to be even remotely invested or interested yeah. in what you have to do. So... You know, I am lucky in that aspect, too. I think that's, like, the main theme is just always surround yourself with good people. Invest in people that believe in you and you believe in them. And you guys reciprocate reciprocate very well. Yeah. And things will work out. And it goes back to the band thing, sure. too. It's it's a lot like that. Like, no we're doubt. friends with 
a lot of different businesses now and lots of different business owners and totally different demos and we're all supporting each other yeah you know because we care about the small business aspect that everybody is a part of yeah and we don't want to see anybody fail like that would be such a bummer to see you know some of my friends fail because of something as stupid as you know exposure yeah it's like well here you have you have literally this whole catalog of friends that have been doing this that are willing to give you advice shout you out you know shoot you want a private label something for us and i'll write you your first check you know and i'll sell this stuff too you know it's it's like you just have to creatively think and utilize your connections but also be willing to help them out as well it seems like there are a lot of those little communities and bubbles in the atlanta area um today of Mm -hmm. small businesses of entrepreneurs um and it begs the question of me okay why did why atlanta for you at this point Mm -hmm. you know i think some apparel brands it you know it's okay well we got to get to la or yeah yeah wherever why why does it make sense for in god we must to be an atlanta brand right now um well first of all (laughs) we i have that thought has crossed my mind where it's like should we go to la (laughs) (laughs) because i feel like we would do a little bit better out in la you know um because we attend trade shows in vegas um and a lot of retailers are from that area you know west coast um and a lot of brands that um we look up to are from there so it's like and they're way more successful in certain ways, or at least they mm-hmm. come off looking more successful. Um, but no, I think there was a point where we were thinking like, okay, should we, what should we do? How can we gain some more traction? You know, yeah. and one of those things was, should we try something in LA? Because brands do that. Yeah. Um, I know brands that, you know, started in uh, Houston and south carolina and once they get some traction somebody tells them yo you'd kill it in la and they move to la and they're killing it yeah you know so it's not like it's a bad idea it sounds like a great idea but i'm i'm so invested with you know where i'm from and who i am and the people who have supported me and supported the company and they're all from atlanta and you know one of our biggest things is we're, we're trying to bring that sort of not, I don't even know how to explain it. The streetwear, it's not streetwear, but it's like just that kind of brand. And we want to represent the East coast mm-hmm. and we want to be from Atlanta, you know, not God, we must Los Angeles, California. It's like, well, we're, we're, we're a drop in a very, very, very large pool at that point. Yeah. You know? So I think that it kind of works in our favor being from Atlanta, doing what we're doing, and looking like what we look like and then you find out we're not we are so far away from the west coast (laughs) that it's not even funny and you know there's definitely that that twinge of a like east coast but then southern grit yeah to to Uh kind of what you you guys exactly and you know we released a shirt that says y'all on it it's one of our best sellers here (laughs) it's a great shirt i love it and the reason we put that shirt out was because when you go to like the West Coast, you see shirts that say like, you know, Aloha or, mm-hmm. you know, um, Hang Ten or whatever it yeah. is. It's like this, it's this West Coast beachy vibe. 
and I was, and a lot of companies put those shirts out. I was like, you know what? We should do a shirt that's it's like a southern word, but make it look kind of yeah, like it's kind of a play on these like West Coast brands. Sure. So that's why we did the all shirt. Nice. Is because I was like, you know, we're committed to the South, you know, like, yeah, let's just, let's just do it. We love Atlanta. We love the South. We're from here and we don't plan on going anywhere. It's just who we are as a company. And I feel like if we were to move to LA, it would totally be a hit on our story and a hit on like who we are, because at that point you're, we're moving out there for cash. Yeah. And that's, that's. If yeah. I were to want to sell out, that's what I would do. And I'm not selling out. You know what I mean? Yeah. It Technically, sure, it's a smart move, sure. but that's not what I, what it's about. And if we were to ever go to L.A., we would make sure we had 15 flagship stores in the South LA, beforehand. Urban South. You know what I mean? That, at that point, it would just be growth, not yeah. a business move. We're relocating to L.A. Sure. because we're going to thrive out there. Yeah. It's like, you know... I love the people that we're surrounded with here in Atlanta. They believe in us. I believe in them. Like um, the store we're in, Citizen Supply, mm. they gave us a shot at having a, a live studio there, and we're still there. Mm. And, you know, I support Phil and his business, the owner of Citizen. Yeah. And, you know, there's just there's a good community of people in Atlanta to start a business in. Yeah. And I think it's a lot different of a culture than L.A. You know, like I feel like there's lots of brands with meaning out here rather than just the next cool thing this isn't a short-term game for us i want i want to be able to leave this to my kid you know i want this to be something that influences a lot of people and not just a cash grab yeah you know because at the end of the day you can't take the money with you to the grave right (laughs) that's why we have a wallet that says spend it while you can (laughs) because it's just you don't want to be the richest man in the graveyard and it's just that is what it is and you know I don't know. It's just we're in it for the long term and we're in it to be here in Atlanta and hopefully be a, a brand that you think of when you think of Atlanta. In God We Must is about to set out on their fifth year in business. And it looks like the pioneer spirit is alive and well in Atlanta. You can check out their gear at IGWM.co. Or if you're in Atlanta, check out their pop-up shop within Citizen Supply at Pond City Market. Atlanta Born and Brand is a production of Connects Media. We're a full-service digital media production company focused on helping small businesses tell their story in the most effective way they can. If you're looking to tell the story of your business, we'd love to help. You can find us at connectsatl.com. Special thanks go out to Chris Hilliard, Joshua Pruitt, and our families who make it all possible. Stay tuned to the show for more stories from the city's top startups and small businessmen and women. You can do that by subscribing in Apple Podcasts or wherever else you happen to be listening. If you like the show, we'd really appreciate a review and rating. And of course, share it with your friends. Keep up with the show on social media. We're at ATL Born Brand on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. Finally, you can find all the previous episodes of the show on our website, atlborn.com. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you all soon.